0: grateful that in your presence we find our strength and Lord we need your strength today as we celebrate Emmanuel God with us I ask Lord that you would open our eyes to see beautiful transforming truth in your word and may our lives align with your vision It's in the strong name of Jesus I pray, amen. You may be seated. What a great morning to worship, being being led by our children today. We are continuing in our study on Emmanuel, which as you know means God with us. And I want to read a portion of Emmanuel's arrival from the book of Luke, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified." With the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know the message through the angel that night. And by the way therefore the message from God to us today. Is that his desire for us is joy. God desires that you and I live with joy. The good news of joy that the angel had for those shepherds was that a Savior had been born. He was God with us. He came to provide us a lifeline to our Creator. He came to provide salvation. That was the good news of great joy. It is that salvation comes from God. Now for the Jews who had been subjected to invasion, deportation and invasion, deportation and occupation. I got lost for a second. Sorry. I'm back. And occupation for the great majority of their history, they were a suffering people. The Messiah suffered He was a man of sorrow. The Jews suffered. They suffered because of oppression. And the gift they had been anxiously awaiting, which was the gift of the Messiah, they had been waiting for better than two or three millennium. Their primary desire, their hope for the Messiah was that he would come and vanquish their enemies. They were looking for a Messiah whose rule and reign would restore the golden age of Israel which they found in the reign of King David. So what they really wanted was to get back to the day where they enjoyed life that flowed with milk and honey. But here's what we know Jesus disappointed them. Because that wasn't... His mission. His mission was spiritual and eternal, not material and temporal. And so many of them rejected Christ as Messiah. Now, looking back with 2020 vision, we have a tendency to scoff at their misunderstanding. How in the world could they think God was all about the material and all about the temporal? But let let me just suggest that we should probably climb down off of that high horse. Because at the core, their ideas were really no different than our ideas. We have the same expectations of God that they did. They thought more about the temporal and material benefits of Emmanuel than they did the eternal benefits and I think truth be told, we do too. Now listen, make no mistake about it. There is some abundant life fruit that emerges because God was with us in Jesus Christ. And abundant life fruit is fruit that we enjoy right here, right now. There are some real-time benefits to Jesus stepping out of eternity and into time. But we need to understand that those temporal benefits are now and always will be tethered to the anticipation of the eternal. Now what do I mean by that? What I mean is every blessing we receive here and now is because of a relationship with God through Jesus and all those blessings are just a foretaste of the banquet of blessings that we are going to enjoy in heaven. All the good things we receive and experience now help us taste and see that God is good. And that is certainly true of that gift that was introduced, that was announced by the angels that night, the gift of joy. See, we will experience perfect, unending, unalterable joy in heaven. David wrote these words in Psalm 16, 11. He said, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. In God, in God's presence, we will experience eternal pleasures, which, by the way, include, but are not limited to, joy. But through God's presence, through Emmanuel, because Jesus came, fully God, fully man, and chose to be with us, we can expect joy in this life as well. Joy is just part of the program. As a matter of fact, Jesus longed to provide us with real-time joy. Now, prior to his arrest and crucifixion, where you would think that his mood was relatively doleful, that sorrow would permeate that upper room, the last thing Christ did with his disciples was pray. Did you know that? The prayer is recorded in John chapter 17. It's called the High Priestly Prayer of Jesus. And in that prayer, Jesus prayed systematically. First he prayed for himself, then he prayed for the 12 disciples that were following him, those who walked with him and were going to be left to advance his cause. And then he ended the prayer by praying for us. Those who did not, who were not yet born, but who would come to know him after the resurrection. During that prayer, Jesus makes what I believe to be one of the most surprising, certainly a curious request from God. Listen to what he prayed in John 17, 13. I am coming to you now. Remember, he's talking to God. That's who we talk to when we pray. Sometimes we pray and preach, like, you know, we want to fix the people they are listening. That's not the idea. He's praying to God. He says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world. I'm here. Here's what I want you to know. I'm saying these things so they will have the full measure of my joy within them. He was praying to God asking that the disciples and all those who would follow would have the his, the full measure of his joy Within them. Now that strikes me as curious. It's curious because... I wouldn't think that would be like the one final desire... That Jesus would voice for his disciples. Right? Does that surprise you? Think about it. Of all the things he could have asked God to give us... With all the help that we need just to protect our character and and keep our witness intact, considering all the stuff that Christ was, that he possessed in full measure, why in the world would he choose for us to be filled up with joy? Doesn't that, well, to me, that just feels superfluous. Like one of those things that would be nice, But not necessary, not completely necessary, certainly not the last thing we ask for. I mean, for me, like, give me a healthy dose of that wisdom. Jesus knew how to deal with people. Or give me the ability to, to really pray those mountain-moving prayers of faith. Or God, give me an ironclad will to pursue the greater good. Or, better yet, give me some of that wonder-working power so I can, we can work together to show people God's magnificent glory. But that's not what he asked for. Those aren't the sorts of things that he asked God to give us. He asked God to give us joy. Now just let's just pause and check your joy meter, full or empty? Is your joy tank full? Like, are you experiencing life as Jesus prayed you would experience it? It's surprising that that was it. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm pretty pumped up about being joyful. I think the alternative is absolutely intolerable. who, Who likes that? Despair, doleful, bitter. But it just doesn't seem like joy would be it. The one thing. It it almost seems self-serving, doesn't it? So what's the deal? Why joy? Well, upon further review... He, he's not asking that we would walk around experiencing the exuberance of joy that we tend to think of, right? Like the joy you experience when you put on the coat you haven't worn in a year, you put your hand in the pocket and you find a 20, that's, that's joy, right? Or the joy that you get when you bump into a friend you haven't seen in ages, or when a surprise party comes off without a hitch. He, he's not praying that there will be really, really happy moments, That keep us skipping through life. He's praying that we would have the strength of joy. The strength of joy. In Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. He instructed the people. He's talking to them after they've rebuilt the wall. They're having a party. All right, and he says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing, send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your say it, strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what Jesus was praying for. Now, I, let, me, let me just help you understand what's going on there with Nehemiah. And those kids who rebuilt the wall. The walls of the city of Jerusalem had been torn down. And what that meant was that God, it appeared that God's hand of blessing and protection had been lifted from his holy city. It was was in ruins. And so a group of people returned, and they chose, under the leadership of Nehemiah, they chose to work really hard, and they miraculously, with God's help, rebuilt that wall in 52 days. Now it was time to party. Now it was time to celebrate what they had done by cooperating with God's vision they did it in God's power. And when all the people gathered to celebrate, Nehemiah had the preacher, his name was Ezra, he was a priest. He had him come over and read scripture to them. So they broke out the law of Moses and Ezra started reading and what they found blew them away. God's word was crystal clear. If they had been if they had been faithful to his teaching, if they had followed his instructions all along, nothing like that would have happened. But it did. And so when they heard about God's holy standards, and when, when they looked and realized that it was their sin, that they were the problem, they fell into shame and despair. And so instead of celebrating on that glorious day, they were mourning and weeping. But Nehemiah said, stop it. Don't go there. It isn't time for mourning. Don't get stuck in what might have been. Don't get stuck in your past... Look forward to what will be. You may have fallen in the past, but go and celebrate what God has done. Celebrate in joy, and that joy will give you the strength you need to honor God's Word in the future. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You don't have to worry about falling in the past. God forgives that. Look to the future. Celebrate God's grace. Celebrate what He's done for you, the work that is going on around you, and you will live with joy, and that joy will be your strength, so you don't wake up with the same regrets next year. Now, the principle is that joy, the principle is that joy is about strength for the way forward. Joy is about strength for the way forward. With that strength, Nehemiah was saying, you will be empowered to live for God. So he says, hey, go generate some joy. Take some time. Discipline yourselves to celebrate. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now the fact is, when we study the life of Jesus dive into his story, what we learn is that the joy of the Lord was the source of Jesus' strength too. I know the scripture says he was a man of sorrow, but sorrow doesn't trump joy. You can be joyful in the midst of sorrow. That's when strength comes. The joy of the Lord enabled Jesus to complete his mission. Listen to Hebrews 12 too. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. That means he started it and he got it all right. He enabled us to get in line, to join the celebration. How did he do it? For the joy set before him, he endured. The joy set before him gave him the strength to endure the cross. He wasn't happy about it. He scorned its shame. When it was over, you know what he did? He went home. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was the joy set before Christ that gave him the strength to endure the cross. You know what joy did? It gave him a picture of the future. And he knew that when he completed his work, he would return to his rightful seat in heaven. He would be going home. And he no doubt understood that the joy of the Lord would be the strength that we would need to endure and overcome the challenges we face in our journey. So he prayed with his disciples that they would experience a Full measure of his joy. The same joy that gave him the strength to overcome. He knew if we had his joy. We would be operating with his strength. And that's critical for success. That's the principle. Joy brings strength. God knows it. His word reveals it, and by the way, science is proving it. I don't know if you've heard of him, but there's a man by the name of Donald O. Clifton, Dr. Donald Clifton. He's known as the father of strength psychology. And what Dr. Clifton began to observe and be agitated by was that psychology, that field was based almost entirely upon the study of what's wrong with you. What's wrong with all these people? And so, psychologists began to dive in and figure out what's wrong. But Dr. Clifton began to wonder if more could be gained by studying what was right with people. So, he began to develop the means to measure a person's strengths. Now, for Clifton, he said a strength was something that can be observed in action. Okay, it's something you're doing. That's a strength. Okay, In his estimation, when a person is operating in their strengths, you can see, and I quote, now I want you to listen closely to what he said, you can see their ability to consistently provide near perfect performance in a specific activity. When a person is operating in their strengths, you can see their ability to provide near perfect performance performance in a specific activity, prompting statements like, oh, she makes it look so easy. He's a natural. So in in answer to the question, how can we set people up, or how could Dr. Clifton set people up to consistently achieve excellence, he said, get them to operate according to their strengths. And if they're operating out of their strength, they will perform with excellence. Now, what I want you to do is just apply that principle, apply that idea to the Christian walk. God longs for us to walk in His ways. And you know what God said the standard was? Be holy as I am holy. Really? Did you know that was the standard? God said, be holy because I am holy. Jesus turned that phrase just a little bit and said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I don't even want to tell you how I'm doing on that challenge. We know that perfection is unreachable this side of heaven right? Or at least I do. The, the question is, how do we give it a go? If we aim for perfection and fall a little bit short, that's much better than never aiming at all, right? Now, I want you to think back to what Dr. Clifton said. Near perfect Near perfection occurs when we are living out of our strengths. And what did God say? His joy is our strength. Near perfection occurs when we're living out of strength. God said, my joy is your strength. Do you get that? It's the Lord's joy that gives us the strength to live a victorious Christian life. I've told you guys this quote before, but I love it. John Ortberg says, here's the key task for spiritual vitality. Here's what you need to do to get it right. We must arrange life so that sin no longer looks good to us. We must arrange life so that sin no longer looks good to us. Joy has to be understood as an indispensable part of that arrangement. If we want to arrange life so that sin no longer looks good to us, then we must arrange it in joy. His joy makes His way appealing and possible. Appealing and possible. It's strength. The strength of joy enables us to say no to ungodliness and yes to godliness. So when we're living in joy, our life is arranged in such a way that sin is less and less and less appealing. A friend of mine once told me that when he's joyful in the Lord, he feels like Superman, able to leap tall temptations in a single bound. You know what? He gets it. He gets it. So how do we get it? How do we live with joy? Well, first we need to go back to the origin of joy. You remember what the angel said? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. He's been sent to give you joy. Joy. He'll be joy to all the people. That's the origin. What, what did the angel call him? The Savior. What gives us joy? God's salvation. I bring you good news of great joy. Unto you is born this day a Savior. God with us as a Savior. Why was He called a Savior? Because He brought salvation. What is salvation? It is rescuing us from death. It is rescuing us from the possibility of eternal separation from God. And it is the grace of salvation that brings great joy. It it is God... This grace is God sharing with us what he didn't have to share, doing for us what he didn't have to do. It was his salvation that brought great joy. David understood this. We have a tendency, by the way, to think of my salvation. I think about my salvation and how much joy it brings. Wrong. Listen to what David said in Psalm 51, 12. He said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's God's to offer, it was God's to give, and it's ours to receive. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing, strong spirit to sustain me. Give me the strength to live in the joy of your salvation. Not my salvation, it is God's salvation. In other words, God, take me back to the beginning where I was overwhelmed by your grace and filled with joy because you threw me a lifeline and saved me. You know what happens when we get used to or get over the fact that Jesus Christ stepped out of eternity into time because He loved us so much to die for us? When, we, when that just becomes old news rather than good news, our joy begins to leak. Our balloon begins to deflate. So the prayer is Take me back to the beginning where I was overwhelmed by your grace and filled with joy because you threw me that lifeline. So listen, if you want to get in touch with joy, go back to the beginning. To that time when you fell in love with Jesus because you realized he loved you. The origin of joy is God's gracious gift of salvation. He sent a choir of angels to sing about it. Now listen, if you have not opened that gift, the gift of salvation, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then you've rejected... The possibility of joy and the strength of God in your life. That's the truth. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord was made available because Emmanuel... God with us came to save us. But if you've placed your faith in Jesus, if you've heard the good news and embraced the grace that he offered, then his joy will give you the strength to overcome what overwhelms. His joy will give you the strength to overcome whatever overwhelms you. But it starts with faith in Him. And it is sustained by never getting over it. So, we find our joy by going back to God's salvation. Second, we find our joy by knowing what to do and doing it. Knowing what to do and doing it. Few things contribute to indiv- individual joy, like personal accomplishment, right? Don't you feel good when you get something done, when you're able to check something off your list? So what we know is that joy requires a little E for effort. Not that we pursue joy, not that we're fighting for joy, trying to drum it up for ourselves, but we need to do something we know that we need to do so we can experience joy of a job well done. Knowing what you must do and doing it brings joy. When, when we begin executing the task it creates a a joyous and therefore sustainable momentum that drives us to excellence, to accomplishment, to finishing a task. And that is nowhere truer than in following Jesus Christ. If we want to follow God's revealed plan for our life, then we just need to obey what we know. Get started where you are. And what we find in Scripture is, if we're doing that by faith, it pleases God and provides joy. Then, no matter how things turn out, Remember when we talked about the the poor Jews that we scoff at because they think, uh, if we just get it right with God, He's going to give us all the temporal, material blessings. Nope, that's not what it's about. Remember, Jesus is creating a kingdom of the heart. a spiritual kingdom. So we can do everything right according to God's Word. And what He says is, I'll give you joy. He doesn't say, I'll make everything perfect. But that's where we need joy. Listen, joy is what we need when everything's not perfect. We have that kind of exuberant happiness when things are perfect. What we need is joy when things aren't perfect. And so, no matter how things turn out, when we're doing what God asks us to do, and by the way, no matter what the enemy does to throw us off, we will have joy knowing that we did exactly what we were supposed to do. You know who got this? Job. You remember Job? After God incomprehensibly allowed Satan to pillage <coughs> excuse me, to pillage and plunder Job's life. After that happened, Job like, I'm ready to die. Get me off this crazy train. And so in Job 6.10, he told his so-called friends that if he died, listen to what he said in Job 6.10, then I would still have this consolation, my joy in unrelenting pain that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. The transcendent joy that Job experienced even in overwhelming circumstances where all he wanted to do was die. All that turmoil. His joy came from the fact that he did not deny the word of God, that he did not deny the revealed will and the way of the Holy One. So no matter what happened... He had joy in what was overwhelming, unrelenting pain. Psalm 19:8 says, "The precepts of the Lord are right. Giving joy to the heart. Living in the joy of the Lord demands that we live in obedience to His commands." When, when we're obedient, we can feel good about it. We have joy. Because it's God's grace that tells us what to do. And it's to our joy that we choose to do it. Third and finally, joy comes from knowing that the best is yet to come. I'm sure some of you have heard this story. But Ann Landers, in August of 2000, in the Chicago Tribune, published this story. And she admitted right up front, like, I'm not 100% sure this is true. I don't know. But here's the story. A woman was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And so she, she was given three months to live. So she asked her pastor to come over to her house and discuss her final wishes how she wanted things to go. So she told him the songs she wanted sung at her funeral. Uh, She told him what scriptures to read. She even told him which outfit she wanted to be buried in. Now, I'm a pastor who does funerals, and y'all don't have to tell me that, all right? Y'all figure that out. Then she said, there's one more thing. One more thing. I want to be buried with a fork in my hand. A fork. And, you know, he was surprised. The woman explained, In all my years of attending church socials and potluck dinners, I always remember that when the dishes of the main course were being cleared, someone would inevitably lean over and say into my ear, Keep your fork. She said it was my favorite time because I knew that something better was coming. Like velvety chocolate cake. Or deep dish apple pie something wonderful was coming so pastor i want people to see me there in the casket with a fork in my hand and wonder what's the fork for and then i want you to tell them keep your fork because the best is yet to come it is so true The best is yet to come. We live with joy because the best is yet to come. Jesus endured the cross because of the joy of anticipating that he was going home. The best was yet to come. David looked forward to the presence of God in heaven because he knew that the best was yet to come. Remember Psalm 1611? You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Listen, when it comes to joy... God's eternal presence is the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But the good news, the great news is that we can sample joy in time. While we can sample joy in time, in eternity we will feast on it. Where there is no more sorrow, No more shame, no more sin. There will be love and there will be joy. The best is yet to come. The question is, will there be you? Have you come to the place in your life where you recognize the significance of Emmanuel, God with us. That our Savior stepped out of eternity and landed in a manger. The kids sang about it so beautifully today, all the mooing and all that. He came for us. He said, watch me. And I'll tell you what He's like and follow me and I'll get you home. And in the process, I'll give you the joy you need so you'll have the strength required to take up your cross and follow me. But it all begins by placing your faith in Emmanuel. Jesus, the Messiah, God with us. See, because His life led Him to the cross. And on that cross, the Scripture explains to us that He died the death we deserve. He received the punishment we deserve for our sins. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says, while you are yet sinning, While you were still in rebellion against God, Christ died for you. And the disciples were a wreck. What do we do now? Messiahs don't die. Well, the truth is the Messiah didn't stay dead. Because three days later, He was raised from the dead, conquering our greatest enemy, setting us free. All the hopes and the dreams of the Jews and all of your hopes and dreams are realized in Jesus Christ. Be not afraid. Fear not. Choose joy. Because the Messiah came to give you life. If you're not a follower of Jesus, the reason we trust Him is that death on the cross and His resurrection provided a way for us to be forgiven for our sins. And it's our sins that separate us from God. That's why we needed the lifeline. We were separated and getting further and further and further away. And Jesus came and said, Stop the madness. I'm going to handle this. I'll throw you a lifeline. You just have to choose to receive it. Grab the rope. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to grab the rope and experience the joy. Let's bow our heads. Father, we are so grateful that as the scripture says, when the fullness of time came, You sent Your Son, born of a woman, fully God, fully man, to give us forgiveness, hope, and ultimately to give us joy. Father, I pray that we would live in that joy. I pray, Lord, for this church, for everyone here and those joining us online today that... Your joy would be our strength. Father, I pray that we would overcome that which seems to overwhelm in joy. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, let me just encourage you to grab, grab the rope. It's just saying yes. I, I understand. I understand what He did. I understand why He died. And I understand I need to be forgiven for my sins. And I I want His strength in my life. And when you receive by faith His salvation, everything changes. You start moving in a new direction. Living in a new strength. And for those of us... For those of you who have a relationship with Jesus, He is your Savior, you know Him personally, I would just challenge you, honestly assess your joy question. Are you living in the joy of the Lord, and is it your strength? Father, thank you for making your strength available to us. May we honor you as we live in your joy. It's in the strong name of Jesus I pray. Amen. JP mentioned earlier that if you're interested in being baptized next week, we're going to have a great week next week. If you're interested in that, then you can check that on this commit card. But the first one... The first option for commitment is, hey, I've, I want you to tell me that you've decided to follow Jesus. If you're online today and uh, you're connecting with Wes and Soviet, I want you to tell them, I've decided to follow Jesus. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. It is the source of true joy, and it will be your strength for living. I challenge you, open your heart to Christ and follow Him. We're going to celebrate joy, so I want you to stand and join us.